Pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome to the podcast version of this week's One Life Left radio show. I am Simon Byron. I am Steve Curran. Packed show today, Steve, despite the absence of a super special guest. Mm, it was uh, a bit full on, but that's because we both got quite angry in the review section, I think. Uh, didn't leave enough space for it. Simon, I'm very worried about your mic's quality. I'm a bit worried about the levels of all the all, all the eye dents and the beds. They've been very loud for me. Have they? Um, um, you sound, you sound been, husky, I think. Uh, well, I am pretty sexy today. Um, uh, Ed said that um, he can hear me blowing out. Mm. Is it mm, topping you have. out? Have I? You've been doing that. All, the top end, Simon, is just, yeah, it's topped out. It's topped... Well, it's very simple, isn't it? Let me adjust the difficulty levels in your video games, and then you you calm down. You're actually, you're all right when you're not leaning forward. But when you lean back, like that, speak now. Yep. Well, now you're shouting, so it's it's worse. I'm not shouting. See, that sounded good. Okay. You would have thought we'd have got used to this. Uh, Well, and in which case, apologies not only for the poor content, but the poor quality of the poor content uh, (laughs) you're about to enjoy. I'm sorry about that. Um, Steve, one thing we've not talked about is Mm. your uh, um, experience with uh, artificial intelligence and um, One Life Left's history and stuff like that. Mm. Um, Yeah, we, we should talk about that because I've been doing some work with AI over the last... Uh, six weeks or so, hopefully in a non-problematic way, but who knows? Like, uh, I'm, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe if I manage to put out a little game in the next couple of weeks. But the, uh, yeah, the the essence of that has led me to explore a lot about what um <laughs> what the internet knows about one life left. Uh, Far away. Well, I, I can't because you've sprung this onto me, and I don't have my OpenAI window, and my uh, I don't I don't have all that data in front of me. But one of the things that we were surprised about was that it gave you a nickname, didn't it, Simon? <laughs> did it? Did it give me? Did it give me, or did it just find out? It trawled, you know, all the archives and all the forums. Uh, maybe that. Maybe that just well, is my name. It just is. So, just is. well, no, this is. This is the interesting thing, right? So, um, GPT, uh, Chat GPT, which everyone's using at the moment, um, is is very, very smart and at the same time very, very stupid. The most important thing to note about it is when it knows something, it really does know something. It knows a surprising amount. Like, it does know about one life left. It, it, it genuinely does. But when it doesn't know something it also sounds really, really smart and it completely bluffs and it lies to you. And it is impossible to distinguish between those two aspects of its character. So when it's talking and, and you know, uh, confidently talking to you, when it introduces you, it says its its hosts are, uh, you know, Steve Curran, Anne Scantlebury and Simon Bainsey Byron. <laughs> You're like, well, where is... <laughs> Why? Where's it's such that a missed opportunity. From? Why didn't we do that from the start? Well, quite. And and the thing is, I, when I discovered this, what I was doing was, I was uh, I was getting it to to write scripts for One Life Left. Right, I was getting it to write fake scripts and using prompts like, okay, you are um, you are uh, the producer of a of 
video game radio show, One Life Left, do me a script for the opening five minutes and it would do that. But then I tried something different, right? I, I tried to, you know, the, the other popular video game podcast, A Life Well Wasted. Uh, she's famous for doing these beautiful, in-depth pieces. Well, I thought, what would it be like if it did a life well wasted on the history of One Life Left? So I thought it'd be nice to see what you know they think of us through through the lens, through the eyes of someone else. And so I got it to write that script, and I can read the start of that script out to you right now if you want. Please do. It goes narrator. Welcome to A Life Well Wasted, the show that explores the interesting, unique, and often overlooked corners of the video game world. Today, we're taking a look back at one of the most beloved gaming podcasts of all time, One Life Left, right? Good start. True. Yeah. Plays the intro music. Narrator. One Life Left first launched in 2006 and quickly gained a devoted following for its irreverent and hilarious take on the world of video games. Hosted by Steve Curran, Anne Scantlebury and Simon Boring Byron. <laughs> the show yep. featured a mix of interviews, game reviews, and off-the-world segments that always kept listeners on their toes. What? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just saying what everybody's thinking, isn't it? It's just brave enough. This, this, uh, this AI is, doesn't care about social norms or niceties. It's just it's speaking from the heart. Yeah, it goes on, right? Archival audio clip from One Life Left. Stee, hey, so this is from the, from the archives. It goes, Stee, hey, everyone, and welcome to One Life Left. Simon, the only video game podcast that's been banned from the International Space Station. <laughs> and for good reason. That's pretty good, pretty good content. Thanks very much, AI. Here's the show. <laughs> Hello, good evening, and welcome to One Life Left. We are a video game radio show based in London, in England. We talk about video games. That's what a video game radio show does. And my name is Steve Curran. Hello to you. I am Simon Byron. How are you, Simon? I'm all right, Steve. A bit tired today. Uh, it's also it's turning cold again, isn't it? This is the shed. The shed has a uh, has a chill to it today. Nine point. I'm recording nine point eight degrees centigrade. That is very, very cold. Apparently, we're going to get snow Apparently. next week. Do you want to know what the relative humidity is? I would love to. 69%. <laughs> what does that mean? It says wet. I mean, it's okay. just. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? Uh, mm. So, yes, um, I've had to turn the, um, the heater off to record so as not to get too much background noise um which you know which means that the temperature is going to decline over the hour we'll have an update for you later steve when you see me icicles running from my nose <laughs> well it is uh, a you know toasty temperature in is south it? london uh Are you in wearing my trousers? i am wearing trousers and okay. a jumper any Fair other enough. questions you can Perfect. see all of Perfect. this Perfect. well i can't see trousers can i would you like to that would imply I don't believe you're wearing. I don't believe you when you say you're wearing them. <laughs> I chase a habit of a lifetime, Steve. You told yeah. me it was lucky. Well, Simon, I've told you a lot of things over the last uh, fifteen or sixteen years, and some of them have turned out to be true. As listeners to uh, the One Life Left archive um, will be able to discover for themselves. Have you seen one of our listeners is listening to One Life Left's from two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve? As live. Mm. They're going back and discovering. I mean, I mean, everything was better then, wasn't it? Mm. I think if I could live 10 years ago, I, w I would choose to do that. I'm saying this only today uh, to Jonathan Smith, actually, as we were walking through Cambridge. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's just gone downhill since 2012, hasn't it? Mm. I, I would like, uh, if listeners are, you know, intent on combing the One Life Left archives, and I would discourage it generally, but if you are, I would definitely love someone to make a super cut of all the times you've talked about hanging out with Jonathan Smith. And A, how lovely he is, and then B, the lovely situation in which you've been in with him, e.g. all those little camping trips you've been on. Don't cast aspersions, Steve. I've been on one no, camping trip with Jonathan anything. Smith, actually. The only thing I imply that I go camping with Jonathan Smith <laughs> frequently. Yeah. I've done it once. Mm-hmm. Feels like more than once. So maybe it's just my envy raging. Um, you commonly reference him, though, Simon. Well, you know what? I don't have to back this up. I'll let our diligent <laughs> listeners come the up. Or maybe we'll leave it up to AI. A few years' time, we'll be able to drop onto the internet and just ask, and they'll be able to tell us what Simon's well, relationship with Jonathan Smith. He featured heavily uh, in our relationship mm. early on. Steve, do you remember when we went, we, when we took, when he was responsible, we should we should say, by the way, Jonathan Smith from uh, TT Games, mm-hmm. um, a, a dear friend of ours, uh, he was the responsible adult when we when we surprised a, a, a blog user, when we used to have a blog, and we used to have users. <laughs> yeah, oh, those were good times, and that was pre-2012, wasn't it? 2006 mm, or 2007. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Anyway, why is the listening started at 2011? Why, why is that an appropriate entry point into the OLL universe? I don't remember. I mean, um, if you want to find out, it's on our Discord. Well, no, or, or, I, or I guess I could wait 12 years for them to catch up with this show and maybe <laughs> they can write in. Come on, we're hanging on. What was it? Answer the question. Yeah. Uh, well, looking forward to that answer. Anyway, we are a video game radio show. As Simon and I record this once a week on a Sunday night. You are welcome to join us live for the recording by uh, clicking on the URL that we post in our Discord at that time. Um, Indeed, if you want to come camping, just don't tell Steve. (laughs) And we will be talking about video games uh, imminently, I guess. Once Simon and I have have caught up, we've got the news section. I've dug out a couple of news stories, just in case you hadn't, Simon. I have the requisite five. Uh, I did that in lieu of failing to get our feature feature correspondent uh, to provide a feature this week as well. She continues to refuse to do that. Um, I heard her said, on um, Richard Herring's podcast. Yeah, she's they turned do that up. Kind of you know, she's yeah. guesting elsewhere. It's just unbelievable. Absolutely outrageous. Um, and um, we will have the review section at the end of the show. I've played a video game that I'm quite cross about. Mm, me too. Mm, interesting. Maybe mm. it's the same one. Letters section in the middle of the show. Still time to get your letters in. If you are listening to us live, you can post those in the Discord or email us at team at onelifeleft.com. Um, we don't have a guest. Mangsty, I've not had you to myself for a while. So, <laughs> you know, I said back off, guests. Mm. Well, that's, you know, that's fine. We'll make it through regardless. We do have a queue of guests, but if any of anyone out there wants to come on the show and has a video game related reason for doing so please yeah drop us a line um and we will have a guest next week won't we simon yes steve all right <laughs> should we get on with the news let's get on with the news on Monday the 16th of January 2023. I am not Anne Scantleberry, but this is the news. Video games outsold home and uh, video and music in the UK for the 11th time in a row last year, according to a new report. The Digital Entertainment and Retail Association, brackets era, reports that games accounted for 42.1% of total entertainment revenue in 2022. Sales also reportedly grew by 2.3% compared with 2021, reaching a total of £4.664 billion. Victory was a narrow one, however, thanks to a large surge in revenue 
for video last year, up 14.4% to £4.432 billion. Pounds. The report's video game sales figures take into account physical software sales, digital console downloads, PC and mobile games, as well as, in, in quotes, a variety of other subscription and token-based playing mechanisms. Its video sales figures, meanwhile, count not only DVD, Blu-ray and 4K disc sales, but also digital rentals and purchases, as well as subscriptions to streaming services like Netflix, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. And as for music, which includes physical CD and vinyl sales, as well as subscriptions to services like Spotify, sales grew 3%, but at £1.986 billion, the market was still a distant third behind games and video. Take that music. Uh, that was from videogameschronicle.com, as all my news is. Thanks as ever to them for doing the hard work. This story on that site, Steve, is accompanied by um, a, a picture of happy punters in, uh, in game. Um, and uh, he's picking up, he's got a plastic bag. He's very happy. It's not clear what he's buying. Um, when was the last time you were in a game? I genuinely don't know. I don't know when the last time I went into any kind of well actually i know the last time i went into a store specifically to look at the video game section was um very i saw you around that time uh, you had Hello. recently bought a video game from there it was in san francisco i went to oh, the game almost stop almost a year almost yeah, a year ago and you went to buy what was out kirby or something it was kirby well yeah. remembered steve mm. which you implied i wasn't going to like uh, and i was going to throw in a canal uh, mm-hmm. wrong Sucks mm-hmm. to be you. Uh, because <laughs> I did it. I finished it and I okay. lent it to my wife, who then I don't think played. Uh, she she played a little bit of it, but. Uh, hasn't and then threw it. it in the canal. Right. Understandable. Oh, so I was right. <laughs> I was right ultimately. Um, that was so, yeah, six, I've not... that was over $60, that was. Mm. And I've not been into a game store, yeah, uh, since that point. I don't know when the last time I even saw a game on the high street was. They sell all sorts these days, not not just games. Mm, <laughs> this right. picture has uh, a uh, some signage which says clothing. What? Yeah. Okay. So clothing. Yeah. Anyway, look, uh, we did well. We did well last year, Steve, didn't we? Uh, well, four point six six four billion pounds. How much of that did you make? <laughs> not a billion. Uh, no. No. When is it going to so, be our turn? Well, good question. I I am always slightly sceptical about these numbers stories because you can array these numbers in uh, any way to prove your point. And my feeling about the games industry is there is a great deal of difference between some sections of the industry that make a ridiculous amount of money. Um, and indeed, some of the products inside those those, section money, uh, those those sections, which, you know, some people would say, that's not a game. Now, we believe everything's a game right? Everything's a game if it wants to be. I'm not trying to uh, trying to <laughs> I'm not trying to say that things aren't games, but I am trying to say that gaming is so broad that uh, it, it seems ridiculous just to compare the whole industry to music and to film and to other things. It seems unfair to those industries. Um, instead, I'd like to look at, you know, how well how what percentage of that is console games for example do we know uh, it doesn't say if you separate the kind of uh, free to play mobile market from those or indeed you know the the um uh, you know subdivide it by genres i think that you find some some games these days have more in common with tv and movies uh, than they do with for example i don't know um games that are purely uh, gameplay based well they're not having any of our billions Steve they can keep their, <laughs> their hands off did anything I just said make sense Simon I, I, I'm sort of you know wondering whether whether I said anything at all there uh, it broadly did uh, to be honest I was I was checking how much we made in November off video mm-hmm. games uh, and the answer was £55.73 not bad I'll take that Ubisoft CEO reportedly tells staff the onus is on them to reverse the company's fortunes. Uh, following weaker than expected software sales over the holiday season and a new play for Skull and Bones, the company slashed its revenue forecast for the current fiscal year. It also cancelled three unannounced games and said it plans to make some 200 million 
euros in cost cuts over the next two years through targeted restructuring, divesting some non-core assets, and usual natural attrition. Skull and Bones will now be released during Ubisoft's next fiscal year, which begins in April and runs until March 2024. During this period, Ubisoft said it's also planning to release Assassin's Creed Mirage, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, and uh, and, uh, other yet-to-be-announced premium games, including a large one. (laughs) As well as promising free to pay. It's a large one. Uh, Stand back, everybody. There's a large one coming through. Uh, As well as promising free-to-play titles for some of our biggest brands. In an email sent to employees on Wednesday and viewed by Kotaku, Ubisoft CEO Eve Gilmo said these delays had weighed on our costs and decreased our associated revenues. Today, more than ever, I need your full energy and commitment to ensure we get back on the path to success, he wrote. I am asking that each of you be especially careful and strategic with your spending and initiatives to ensure we're being as efficient and lean as possible. Guillermo also urged staff to deliver on what he called the biggest pipeline in Ubisoft history, writing, the ball is in your court to deliver this lineup on time and at the expected level of quality and show everyone what we are capable of of achieving that sounds like fun steve doesn't that sound like mm. fun video aren't video games fun does sound like fun doesn't it um sounds like people are not going to be getting business class flights to gdc are they they're going to be in economy no um commenting on ubisoft's financial update on wednesday reed pops head of games b2b christopher dream claimed ubisoft was suffering compared to other big publishers because it's lack of significant live service game to fill release gap the big issue for ubisoft isn't its structure not really it's the fact it doesn't have a live service game of any significance he wrote look at the publishers mm. worth billions it's all about that one title the prince money continuously gta online fifa cod fortnite etc it means that Ubisoft is so reliant on having a good release schedule to drive uh, performance. I think that that's what it's trying to do with Assassin's Creed. I think what it's trying to do with Assassin's Creed is the right play. So they've said um, that Assassin's Creed, this next Assassin's Creed, Steve, is going to be smaller than the uh, than the most recent ones. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like, we've said this for years and years and years, that we're, you know, <laughs> I, I'd love the opportunity to get involved in more rich triple a games uh rather than just pick one every six months and go okay this is the thing i'm going to play for 40 hours and then go yeah that was fine i'd like to play five different things and think that was fine or or ideally more um if the next assassin's creed is going to be smaller uh, tiny a little tiny adorable what it'll be yeah (laughs) it's going to be smaller is that going to help resolve the bigger problem i think the the person from read pop has got it spot on at least uh, from the financial side that the smart play for ubisoft is to make a live service game that works of course that's what they've been trying to do um but they've got to keep at it right they do yeah um they uh, a couple of their multiplayer games um haven't uh, lasted particularly mm-hmm. long have they so um let's see anyway it's not it's not down to you and me Steve. it's down to it's down to the staff to get on it and get it right <laughs> so uh, looking forward to seeing what they're able to achieve. The Callisto Protocol has reportedly seen disappointing sales numbers, failing to recoup a reported $162 million budget. This has caused investors in publisher Crafton to lower their target stock price in response. According to NK Odyssey, the game reportedly cost over 200 billion won to develop a budget that the sales of the game have not matched. During development, the game is referred to as Quadruple A. You're right to stop the music there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on, who's been listening to the guys at Sega? Um, Forget Triple A, this is Quadruple A. Suggesting that no expense was spared, despite the game being a new IP in a niche genre that rarely produces massive sales numbers. For comparison, Resident Evil Village, the eighth mainline entry in a hugely popular franchise, managed 6 million units in its first six months, despite the profile of the franchise and strong reviews. According to Samsung Securities, Crafton had expected the Callisto Protocol to sell around 5 million copies. However, considering the current sales ranking, cumulative sales of 2 million copies will not be easy until mm. this year. Uh, the brainchild of Dead Space creator and striking distance CEO Glenn Schofield, the Callisto Protocol challenges players to escape a maximum security prison on Jupiter's moon Callisto in the year 20. 20- 
320, after a mysterious outbreak begins transforming its inmates into monstrous creatures. Uh, Craft and stock price already took a hit following reviews of the game being published. So, uh, yeah, more. I mean, more more indications is tricky out there, Steve, isn't it? Mm, um, yeah, I, I was chatting to someone this week about the idea of betting your future on a game, uh, on making a game and, and building something with the idea that, yeah, this is brilliant and this is going to come out and it's going to change our lives and going to, uh, you know, create financial security for everybody involved and then we'll make game two and game three. Now, I believe in my abilities as a game designer uh, and I believe that my ideas are great and I believe in my team, but I would never, ever, ever bet that something I'm going to make is successful because it is a lottery, right? You cannot bank on uh, everything coming together, not just your project, but the market being in the right place and some other team not releasing something that's marginally better or at least marginally more hyped or hits an audience in a way that is more compelling or addictive in some fashion. Um, it's a really, really, really dangerous game, betting everything on one thing. And now, these days, AAA and quadruple A budgets. And the super games, don't forget the super games. Mega game, you mean? Uh, was it a super game? And then was it? Was, and, oh, no, am I wrong? Then, and then don't forget Ubisoft's large one was coming it? through. <laughs> Sega Super Game. I'm just yeah, it's a, it's a super game. I'm sorry, I was I was wrong. Um, yeah, the the budgets are astronomical and 162 million dollars. I mean, you know, uh, if we uh, think back to the, to the revenue figures, we go, ha ha, we're bigger than we're, we're bigger than music. Mm. Do albums cost 162 no, million dollars? And actually, if you look at um, the sort of portfolios of Hollywood studios, they have a, a range of titles, right? They don't just back their mega summer blockbusters, but they back plenty of smaller movies as well. And what you have is, yeah, a lot of them fail. Uh, a lot of the blockbusters fail as well, but there will be one or two or 10 breakout smaller films, which 10 times their budget or a hundred times their budget. And they support the next round of things. So you've got to spread your bets, like not just at the high scale, but at the low scale as well. And in a sense, game development is cheaper now than it has ever been. Um, but you don't see the big publishers gambling on smaller titles. And I, I, I think that um, if you don't have a, a live service game that's just pumping money through your organisation, that's another way of doing that, supporting hundreds of smaller titles and seeing where that gets you. Did you also see um, who else um, announced uh, tricky times financially this week? I did not. Frontier. Ah, their, really? their share price fell 40% on Monday. Right. Uh, due to weaker than expected sales of Motors, of Formula One manager, hmm. uh, and um, uncertain sales of their third party publishing uh, titles. Uh, right. That's tricky. Devolver. Um, mm-hmm. Had a had a tricky Monday as well. <sighs> it's pretty, well I think we, it's pretty tough out there, Steve. What, what are we going to do if it all goes tease up? What you you our backup careers? Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, OnlyFans, think... <laughs> <laughs> Marioki fans is where I'm going. I think is it okay? Uh, I bet everything on our stupid songs, um, maybe. Right, we could we charge one hundred and sixty-two million dollars to write them. It's a live service game of a sort, isn't it? <laughs> All right, uh, next news story. Days before the service closes for good, Google Stadia has released one final game which represents a piece of its history. Worm Game was added to the service on Friday. The simple, snake-like title was used to test Stadia's cloud features before it launched in 2019, according to Google. Play the game that came to Stadia before Stadia came to the world, it said. Worm Game was a humble title we used to test many of Stadia's features, starting well before our 2019 public launch, right through 2022. It won't win Game of the Year, but the Stadia team spent a lot of time playing it, and we thought we'd share it with you. Thanks for playing and for everything. 
Google announced last year that the game streaming service will be shut down on January the 18th, 2023, when players will lose access to their game library. At the time, it also confirmed that it intended to refund all Stadia hardware purchases made through the Google Store and that all game and add-on content purchases made through the Stadia Store would be refunded. Also... According to Google, the underlying technology platform that powers Stadium will be used across other parts of the company like YouTube, Google Play, and its augmented reality efforts. So, Steve, uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, sorry, uh, on Wednesday, uh, in two days' time, if you're listening to the uh, radio show on Residence 104.4 FM, or today, if you're listening to the podcast as it's uploaded, your last chance to play um, Stadia. Uh, will you miss it, Steve? Uh, I will not miss it because I never had... An opportunity to play Stadia. Um, I suppose I did have an opportunity. I could have bought a Stadia kit, but I didn't. Uh, you did. Um, I, I didn't because, of course, maybe this is the last ever time we'll get a chance to uh, mention this. But back in the day, we were invited to the to a round table with Stadia head honcho Phil Harrison and then uninvited from the round table once we had said, okay, apparently there were not enough seats at the round and that's, table. that's really when their problems started, mm, isn't it? It was. When they, when they weren't featured on the, on the world's longest running radio show. I don't want to say that we are directly responsible for the situation Stadia find themselves in, but it couldn't have hurt. Well, actually, could it could have hurt. hurt. It could, could have hurt. Could, we could have accelerated their demise if we were around that round table. So, But you've got yours. You're showing it off to us right now on camera. It's mint. Mint. Still shrink-wrapped, actually, mm-hmm. this one. Okay. Um, uh, one place for all the ways that we play, it says proudly on the box. Yeah, I, um, I forget why I've got this. <laughs> uh, because I already had one. Um, and uh, I... I did a joke before Christmas when we were uh, counting down to Jingle Jam mm-hmm. and they wanted a picture of me uh, holding a sign up counting down how many days it was to Jingle Jam. And um, I arranged myself in a photo like the American Beauty uh, <laughs> pic- image and I had console controllers all around me mm-hmm. and I, I smashed all of them under the deck and I smashed up the Stadia one and that was right. lying broken beside <laughs> me. It's a little, little joke which no one spotted um, oh, or, if, or perhaps they didn't, didn't find it funny. Um, and I wondered at the time whether I should be smashing it up because the Stadia controller doesn't work uh, with any uh, doesn't work with any other consoles and uh, only works with your PC if you plug it in. It's a really nice controller actually. Um, to be fair to Stadia, to Google, they've announced uh, this week that next mm. week they will be releasing a tool that will unlock the controller and that you will be able to use it Bluetooth on the US. So, so good on them for that. Good on them for refunding uh, everybody. Good on them for even, you know, um, showing how the service came to be with Worm Game. Um, you know, whilst I uh, didn't spend a huge amount on Stadia, uh, I do... Uh, I, I was impressed with the technology, and it's just a real shame that the business model was just was just wrong. Mm. Um, what would you have done differently? I would have found a way. Well, I think at the moment, you know, outside of Game Pass Ultimate, which is um, some pretty decent streaming, but but you're not in control of that library, right? So you can mm. only at the moment you can only stream games that are in the Game Pass library. I believe that there are moves to address that. Um, but uh, the, the the best cloud solution at the moment is, is NVIDIA's GeForce Now, which allows you to uh, stream games you own on Steam, on Epic, or on Ubisoft Connect uh, to a browser or a compatible device and even TVs and stuff. And, you know, you, there is a free tier uh, for that, or you can pay for additional services and stuff. And, you know, that way you, you're, the subscription that you're paying is, is to... You know, effectively as a platform to play your own mm. uh you know put games that you own whereas stadia required you to have separate premium purchases cyberpunk red dead 2 mm-hmm. they were all 60 quid um and that's you know that's i i think very few people were ever going to use stadia as their primary source of gaming mm. um you know you're only going to use it as a backup or something to play while you're away or you know what to or to play on your phone even um 
and that's that's an awful lot of money particularly when you're a company with google's history of uh of shutting down services so yeah I, the actual technology was, was 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 incredibly impressive and and in some way it's um it's a real shame but ultimately there were some questionable decisions that uh, that just led to it not being adopted still it gave you an opportunity to put together a uh, photo shoot which it did yep people appreciated so thank you for that PlayStation 5 owners in the UK are far more likely to consider it their main console than Xbox Series XS owners. A new survey has found research by Ampere Analysis claims that 71% of respondents who said they own the disc version of the PS5 said they used that console the most. Meanwhile, all those who said they own the Xbox Series X or Series S, that number, uh, dropped to 48% and 35% respectively, whilst 49% of Switch owners considered it their main system. The piggers, the piggers, the <laughs> figures appear to support the theory that a number of players buy Xbox consoles, particularly the lower priced Xbox Series S, to use as secondary Game Pass systems. Somewhat curiously, the data also shows that 43% of players who own the digital edition of the PlayStation 5 consider it's their main system. This may suggest that the more dedicated Sony fans are and more likely to purchase a disc-based version of that console. Ampere's analysis suggests that one of the reasons so many PS5 owners consider it their main console is because PS5 owners are more likely to be single console owners. However, it adds this does not fully explain the disparity in this measure between the PS5 disc-based version and Microsoft's Xbox Series X, its key competitor on the market, having launched at the same time. Uh, So... uh, 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 Analyst uh, Piers Harding Rolls uh, provided more analysis on Twitter. He said, In a market where most console gamers play across multiple consoles, including cross brands, the role of the primary console has big implications for monetization of users, lifetime value, and market share. He explained, It's early days, but this suggests Sony's exclusive strategy and brand strength has not been substantially disrupted by Microsoft's Game Pass strategy yet. However, he points out, of course, this metric does not show the comparative time spent on different consoles. So that may, ratio may well be changing. And 2023 is a big year for Game Pass and Microsoft exclusives. I was watching... I, was, I, I went to see Darren Brown uh, last Saturday. Uh, I didn't mention this in the show last week, did I? Um, it was mm-hmm. really good, really good. He did, he did the best, the best magic trick I have ever seen with my own eyes. Wow. Um, he says uh, to attendees of the show that you're not supposed to talk about it. So I won't go into too much detail. However, I was trying to work out how he did it. And uh, and the drive back with Dexter. So uh, Dexter took, took me for my Christmas present from him, which was lovely. Um, I was trying to work out. And I was like, uh, so I was sort of speculating. I was like, um, oh, maybe he did. Uh, maybe he did it like this. Or maybe he did it like this. Or perhaps mm. this is how he did it. Dexter's explanation, Dexter, comma, 14, comma. His explanation <laughs> was, no, Dad, he definitely hypnotised the entire audience. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I mentioned that because my um, my enjoyment of the show was somewhat tempered by a, a, a notification I got from uh, American Express, which is a credit card tied to my PlayStation 5, which said, you have been billed £100 from from Sony uh, for another year of PlayStation Plus. Oh. Now, uh, I own a PlayStation 5. Uh, I haven't I haven't turned it on for a while, so I was very surprised, mm. very surprised to receive this. And um, fortunately, I got the notification just at the interval because I was, it made me really angry. Oh, bugger, 100 quid. Uh, anyway, I have to say it was resolved very quickly via the chatbot, and as a one-time gesture of goodwill, they've refunded the money. <laughs> what I'm saying is, <laughs> check your auto-reading settings before you go and see Darren Brown. Well, that sounds fun, Simon. I don't have a PlayStation um, So it's five. not your primary console? So it's not my primary console. I wonder how much of this was skewed by the difficulty of getting hold of a PlayStation um uh, i it makes sense to me that people who have the the disc based version regard it you know are more sort of gamery than other people regard it as their primary console and are more dedicated in buying things because it was more expensive right the disc based version it was yeah um uh, yes, but uh, yes. Yeah, so, so presumably, the more you spend on something, the more you're going to value it, and it is. Um, mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It is the. It is the most expensive one. So, um, 
uh, yeah, interesting nonetheless. It is. Uh, one more news story? Uh, not for me. Oh, okay. Let me let me find one. I'd, oh, okay. I've got one. Goose Goose Duck has reached eight hundred thousand concurrent players. Uh, that's according to Justin Carter from GameDeveloper.com. Gaggle Studios has announced its social PvP game Goose Goose Duck has recently hit that number across PC and mobile. It's an impressive milestone for the game to hit, particularly when just last week it only had half a million. That's still quite a lot, IMO. The bulk of that player PC, uh, count is on PC. SteamDB's chart put the game at around 703,000 at the time of writing. Uh, according to Gaggle's press release, that player count translates to effectively eliminating in excess of 9 million geese per day. If you haven't Whoa. played it, the cleverly titled Goose Game is like Among Us in that players complete tasks, accuse other players of wrongdo- wrongdoing, but play as geese or ducks if you're a saboteur. Simon, have you played this game? I have not played this game, Steve. Mm. Have you heard of this game? I have heard of it, yes, uh, mainly through this news story. Yeah, well, that doesn't count. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, no, no not, not, <laughs> yeah, not, not in the last now, 30 but, seconds. Yeah, but, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I, this stuck out to me because it is the first time I've heard of this game too, which sounds like a, a bit of a phenomenon. Do you know why, uh, or one of the reasons it blew up? Yes, it was streamed by a J-pop star, wasn't it? K-pop. K-pop, S-pop, L-pop. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, BTS member Kim Tae-hyung streamed himself playing the game back in December 2022. An 11-minute stream um, that, according to this article, was probably the best thing to happen to the game. Um, I've never played one of these social elimination games, have you? You know, I mean, you know, terrible confession time. I've never played Among Us. That's what I mean. That's kind yeah. of what I'm <clears throat> heading towards. Well, I'm, um, just, I'm just saying it, Steve, rather than being all coy about it. <laughs> I, t- I just don't. I just don't like lying. Um, really, I find it really stressful. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, I've played the Resistance, the card game, and I've played Werewolf here and there. And um, did uh, what was the other one? Two booms in a room. Um, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really hard. There's um, Spyfall. I find horrific. I mean, again, Dexter really likes that guy. It's just awful when you have to lie about it. I'm just not. I just start crying. Mm. Um, over the over the Christmas period, uh, I consumed two pieces of televisual media that uh, were influenced, I think, by Among Us. Or referenced I, I, I said this exactly today as well, Steve. Did you? To Jonathan Smith and his son. <laughs> I did. You're going to mention the traitors, aren't you? That was going to be my second one. Do you know what the first okay. one was? Ba, 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 ba. No, I don't. In um, Netflix movie Glass Onion. Oh, I've not seen that yet. Mm. Benoit plays Among Us. Is playing Among Us with a... Oh, really? Uh, yeah, a group of a group of detectives or, or mm. mystery solvers, at least. Um, it's only a short short reference, but um, yeah, when I when I watch Traitors, I I've never um, played Werewolf or, or any of these games, but I imagine that where that came from um, is is the sort of sudden or not sudden gradual explosion. Is that a thing? Gradual explosions of this kind of uh, party game. Which is obviously rooted in things like Werewolf, which you've played. I have not. Um, did you watch Traitors? Uh, yes, I did. I, um, I mean, I didn't watch it. Um, uh, I, yeah, I didn't watch all of it. I sort of dipped in and dipped out. Mm. I watched all of it across four nights, three episodes a night. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, although, ironically, like for a uh, you know a series that is essentially based on a game, or is a game. Uh, I thought the weakest parts were the games inside the game, um, which kind of tedious, but... Um, well, also, uh, yeah, it, it was odd that... Um, I mean, I thought... Uh, I was going to say who the traitors were then, but if you've not seen I shouldn't do. I thought mm. that the traitors, particularly the the one that you... that sort of uh, was the most prominent, I thought mm-hmm. that person was excellent and mm-hmm. it, it was just something I could not have done. What I found strange about that game was that there was no element of sabotage to it. I agree. Weird, which felt I, weird to me. 
I agree. This is the thing, um, you know, I, I said while I was watching it that to me, um, I had a really, so before all of this, I say I've never played any social engineering games, but actually I went to Disneyland with friend of the show, Michael, um, about seven or eight years ago, we were there. And it was a group of five of us, I think, and we played a game across the course of the day. And at the start of the day, we drew lots. And one of us was um, a saboteur. One of us, the mole. Mm. And during the course of the day, the mole's job was to ruin the day for everybody else, (laughs) right? Without giving it away. And at the end of the day, stood by the Disneyland castle, at the end of every day at Disneyland, they set off fireworks as a big display. And during the fireworks, the, the climax of the day, uh, we were to reveal which one of us was the mole. And it went brilliantly. It was really, really good because there was this thin air of suspicion about everyone all day and the mole got away with it. It turns out they had sabotaged the day by, for example, they put um, a little stone in someone's shoe so they were a little bit uncomfortable walking <laughs> around. At dinner, uh, or sorry, at lunch, they hid the salt and pepper. Like, so there's no salt and pepper available. Cute little things like that. At the end of the day, there was an accusation. We all failed, and there was a big moment of reveal. It was really, really good. Um, I was surprised that in in um, The Traitors, there was no uh, payoff for the the uh, traitors sabotaging the games they were playing. So, for example, I would have rigged it that, you know, if they stopped the faithful gaining a thousand pounds then they got that a thousand pounds exactly yeah and then there'd be more suspicion because if someone screws up you know then they're like no i didn't do that deliberately and uh, i love that sort of mechanic but one of my thoughts was is that you know someone who thinks about games a lot i guess sometimes those extra layers make things more complicated uh, and introducing someone to the whole structure of the traitors is quite complex from the start, which I guess is why they only introduced the shield mecha- mechanic after like a couple of evictions. Um, and maybe also you want to give yourself somewhere to go for series two and series three and series four. Mm. So maybe, maybe, maybe. or maybe we're just smarter. Unlikely, Steve. Very unlikely. All right. That's all the news. Thanks. That's Simon. all the news. One life left. Video game news with Anne Scantleberry. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show. We've been going for ages and ages and ages, and we have maintained the same standard consistently since 2006, for better or worse. Um, You can find our podcast as well at www.onelifeleft.com. There you will find the show notes, which have been put together by our producer, Phil. Um, you can also find a list of links at hello.onelifeleft.com, one of which will send you to our Discord where we chat about the show. Simon, we had three new 
um, new Discord members within 24 hours this week. It was Welcome. quite a rush. Welcome. Unbelievably exciting times, one of which, one of whom, was Violet Berlin. Oh, lovely. Mm. Well, what prompted Violet to join us? She wanted to ask when the next Marioki was, but she wasn't able to find the Marioki Discord. Excellent Yeah, work. it was perfect. I reminded her we had a radio show. Maybe she's listening right now. Perhaps she could come on. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Would be lovely. I've not spoken to Violet for a long, long time. Consider this an invite, Violet, if you are yes. indeed listening. Any other did business? You when, did you tell her when the Marioki is or not? Or should we tell her in a subsequent episode? <laughs> I made her go over to the Marioki Discord. The next Marioki, while we're on that subject, is on the 21st. It's on the Saturday of this week. Tickets available. Now we are having this one in Stratford at Rule Zero. Um uh, which should be fun. Look forward to seeing you all there. Well, not all of you. That would be a fire hazard. 50 of you, <laughs> which might be all of you. Who knows? Uh, comfortably fit you all inside that venue. It's going to be brilliant. Uh, excited to do that. You got any other business, Simon? Should we get on with no the letters? No other business from me. Here's the letters. Email, Chris Conway wrote to man at SSG conference level 70%. He writes in brackets. Uh, this week has mostly been spent grinding my way through the ever-ending challenges in Gran Turismo 7 to try to unlock the local multiplayer option. Ten hours of play, unskippable videos, and numerous offbeat missions later. Some of the fun and spontaneity with which I chased the game has faded a bit, and I'm wondering why a big part of the game, unrelated to the single-player campaign, was stuck behind so much progression-based gatekeeping. Having to take a virtual car to the virtual car wash to get access to a big part of a game that I paid for feels a bit much. Oh no, please, make me feel better about how I spent my free time. Give me some more extreme examples of gatekeeping. Your car cleaning correspondent, Chris Conroy. Well, I didn't know that was the case. That's a strange decision, isn't it? I wonder what the reason for that is. I mean, I've never enjoyed GT... I was going to say GT... GT Whatever number, yeah, GT... Any of them. Uh, for me, uh, it's... I'm not very interested in cars. It's a fairly serious car game. But, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of people talking about it on the One Life Left Discord. Uh, really, really cross at this kind of thing. Have you, have you seen this uh, discussion, Simon? I hadn't done, uh, Steve. No, it's um... so Tony Tony Gowland, uh, our friend yes. from Ant Workshop, said GT Seven. I've never played a racing game that wants to stand in the way of me racing fun cars so much. How far this series has fallen since the pure driving thrills of one and two. Absolute. And then he says a swear word. I can't Whoa. read out. I know. You're allowed to swear Tony. on the Discord, but not on the radio. What time of day did he post? Did he it'd be, it'd be on the source, did he? <laughs> it, was, it was at 9pm, so hard to, hard to know what got into him. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, gen- genuinely sounds like a bit of a slog, even for, even for what I think is a boring game anyway. I can't think of any examples where uh, other bits and stuff have been uh, hidden um, behind this sort of thing before. Apologies. But, um, I mean, you can sort of understand the principle, right? You want some people to play the game a bit before letting them loose into mm-hmm. multiplayer, but that does seem a bit much. Yeah, well, um, I, I think the game that I'm going to talk about in the review section actually falls victim to locking Ooh. things down a bit um, and not letting me have enough fun. Uh, but we'll get to that in five or so minutes, I imagine. Okay, there is a there's a couple of letters in the Discord um, which I can I can deal with now. Do-do. Give me a second because I've changed <laughs> I've changed my subfolder on the Discord. Here we go. All right, Dbot writes this. Hello, team and SSG. I was recently reminded of the occasion I played in one Smash Brothers while controlling it with my feet in order to prove there was no skill involved. In your experience, what's the best game controller to use with what unusual part of your body? It goes on to say, I mean, not your hands. Bonus points if your non-hand part of uh, body part of choice has some exceptionally unusual distinguishing features. Uh, toodles, Damien. That's fantastic, Dbot. Well done mm. on that. Um, it does make me feel 
uh, even sadder because I'm very bad at Smash Brothers. <laughs> uh, so if there's no skill involved, then what does that mean for me? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think there is skill involved at a certain level, but broadly, yeah. I, I couldn't beat anyone at Smash Brothers who's actually good at Smash Brothers, but I think that I could beat most people uh, by playing with my feet. If I was could lucky, you beat, could you beat Damien with his feet? No, because clearly he's a, his feet. He's a foot-based Smash Brothers professional. I'm not yeah. getting involved in that kind of esport. <laughs> I don't want to touch the controller either. After he's done that, like frankly, <laughs> you think he had his socks on? Yeah, it's not turn-based, Steve. You can have separate controllers. Yeah, but someone's got to use player two or player one. I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah, just give, uh, give it a wipe. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I've 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 never really tried. That. I mean, I know there's a bit of a fad for playing, you know, things with DDR controllers. I saw a yeah. woman completing Dark Souls yeah. on one map while playing Elden yeah. Ring on another. Exactly uh, that kind of thing, um, and it is impressive in that kind of uh, you bet style way. Obviously, again, like you referencing the poster for American Beauty, I'm doing another reference, which is aged out somewhat but uh you bet being the game play, uh, game show from the 1990s was it i think where uh people would come on and prove their unusual abilities you know such as recognizing any car by the sound the car door made when it closed all that kind of thing and it is momentarily impressive but you're also like why though now <laughs> for dbot smash brothers example i think that's an excellent reason is to just call smash brothers players out as charlatans and yeah uh, but um i don't know about the I, I suppose the answer is why because i can like why do you climb a mountain can. simon why do you climb everest because I don't. it's there <laughs> got better things to do like yeah. playing dark souls with a dance mat we should uh, address uh, Weasel Spoon's uh, Discord letter um, from last week. Where he says, mm-hmm. Hello, team. Hello, SDSG. Happy New Year. As is traditional to ask, what are you going with 2022 and what are you most excited to play in 2023? Um, I think we talked about our games 2022, but I just wondered, Steve, if there's anything this year that you are particularly looking forward to. Good question. Um, I can't think of anything. Off the top of no. my head, that no, no. What, what should but what should I be excited about? I Legend of Zelda. Okay. Tears of a Kingdom. Nah. Uh, I mean, no. I will. I mean, I, I will play it, but like, I don't know. For me, excitement indicates a sort of like I can't wait until this comes out. Like it feels like forever away. Like I was genuinely in the week that Dwarf Fortress uh, was about to be released for. Uh, for PC or at least released via Steam, I was genuinely excited. Like, is it Wednesday yet? Like, I think it came out on Wednesday. Don't know. Uh, I was, I was, I was like, is it, is it out yet? And then, but I can't think of anything that I'm really, really anticipating this oh, year. Steve, what, what are you anticipating? You, you so you've said oh, Zelda. Zelda. Okay. Uh, that's the, that's the biggie for me this year. Oh, that'd be mm. weird. It'd be weird playing on my Switch again of having got used to accommodating such a large, weighty device in the Steam Deck. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be good to get cracking on that. I think get cracking sort of indicates a kind of drudgery that you have. You feel obliged. Oh, get cracking. Well, no, it's just a big adventure, to, isn't it? I it's mean, big. So, it's a lot. So, so get get stuck in. Get yeah got a lot to get through 900 korok seeds i mean how can they improve upon it steve good question well now i am excited for it simon but i get most of my game recommendations the week they come out i like i see them on the the steam trailers and six seconds things and get excited and i think that's a like a much uh much better way to live right because it's just never there you can play to anything exactly no, never, never look forward, look forward to, to always assume <laughs> everything's going to be disastrous yeah. and uh, be pleasantly surprised when it's not uh, if you've got any letters that uh, you would like us to answer or stumble over on One Life Left, you can do so by writing to team at onelifeleft.com or dropping your letter in the mailbag channel on Discord.
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show. As I've said before, this is the any other business part of the show before we dive into the review. Simon, um, do you have anything to say? I have something to say. Okay, all I'm just going to say is that uh, golf will lose early access this Thursday. Uh, and if you've not checked it out, then do, please. Uh, it'll be launching with full online multiplayer on Thursday. So maybe see you on the fairway. That's exciting. Um, I wrote a game this week. What? I know. I wrote a game, so that's exciting. Like that's on the like uh, exciting on a personal level. And where can we gonna... play this game? Well, you can't play it anywhere yet. But I showed it to the the team, and it's very simple and stupid. What team? Have you got a team? Yeah, I've got a team. I've got a game studio. Oh my god, Simon! Can you you spend too much time with Jonathan Smith, listening to his dreams and adventures, and not enough time listening to mine? Anyway, um, maybe. Try and get something out in a couple of weeks. Just a very, very simple web thing that I made. And I made it all on my own. Guess what, Simon? I did what? the coding. Me. Oh, congratulations. Me. Me. What um, would you say your 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 worst fudges or have you left any comments in there that you would be embarrassed for somebody else to poke through poke through your code? I'll tell you what the well, certainly, uh, I think it's gonna be rewritten by one of our actual coders before it goes live. But there is an infinite loop in there which for uh, a short period of time was hammering Google with requests uh, like a million times per second. So there is a bodge in there that was well, not bodge, a thing that says pause for a second before you hit Google again. And there is a common comment next to that that says, this line to stop Google getting cross with you, Steve. Nice. Um, that wasn't what I was going to say, though. That, that I mm-hmm. reminded that by your uh, golfy comment. Very excited. Love golfy. Uh, the thing I was going to say is, Simon, did you see what I did this week on Eurogamer? I did see it, Steve. I did see you moonlighting. Mm. I games journalist. I know. For the first time in, I reckon, 20 years or something like that. Maybe, when did I stop? Stopped around the same time as One Life Life started, so 2006. So 17 years or so. Uh, I'm a published games writer. Uh, How did that was, feel? Uh, it felt, it was genuinely quite exciting. I was lucky enough uh, to be asked by the brilliant Chris Donlan, who I genuinely think is the best writer on video games today. Uh, he's Eurogamer's features editor. He got in touch just before Christmas and said he wanted to republish one of my pieces on Eurogamer. And uh, they did, untouched, with lovely, lovely art. And if you want to find that, head over to Eurogamer, search for The Queen. Um, it's a story I wrote a while ago, and I still think it's pretty good. It was it was really nice to do that. I read some of the comments, actually. They were very complimentary. Mm. Uh, much too kind, I think, but it was it was nice to have something low risk on the site there where it would be difficult for people to get cross about it. Um, yeah, so that was great. Um, cool. That's all I have to say, Simon. Shall we do the reviews? Let's do the reviews. Here we go. Right, do you want to start or shall I? Well, uh, we're running quite late, so I won't talk about the new game I've been playing, but I will say that I got to the end of Phoenix Rising, Ubisoft's Breath of the Wild alike. Hold on, hold on. Is that Phoenix mm. or is it Phoenix? Oh, sure, sorry, it's Phoenix. Sorry, it must it's be Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, sorry. Um, right. Apologies. Uh, and... I, it just it just peed me off, Steve. Um, I got to the phone last week. I mentioned that all the bosses were really straightforward. They have a twenty-minute final boss that goes through four different um, stages, mm-hmm. and you're at a part in the game that you cannot top up your potions um, or your uh, equipment. Um, now it does warn you this before you go in. Uh, it says like you know you're about to reach the end game or what have you. But what it doesn't say is that you know you've got an hour's dungeon before you meet this boss. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so that actually you can't just pop out and pop back in again. Um, and uh, yeah, I've tried it four times and I've got to the what I think must be the final stage. Died doing that and I thought it's taken me 20 minutes to go to get there. And so I've just uninstalled it in a huff, which makes me really annoyed that I even bothered to get that far in the stupid game in the stupid first yeah. place. 
Um, now, it has difficulty options, but you can't change difficulty unless you're in a safe area. And you're not in the final dungeon. Uh, so what's the whole point of that? What's the point of that? I'm glad you're in financial trouble. Seven out of ten. Clip that out for the, uh, for the podcast <laughs> excerpt, please. Um, so... Man, I was worried about being too negative with my review. Uh, I've been playing... So I've been, really enjoying it, I'm really enjoying it. It's just really sad to say, sorry. I've been good. playing Sports Story on the oh, Nintendo nice. Switch. Have you played it, Simon? I've not, Steve. Did you play Golf Story? I did. Right, what do you think of Golf Story? I didn't like it. Okay, then there's no reason you should play Sports Story. No. I really did like Golf Story. It had exactly the right amount of golf, which is a game I always think I want to play, and when I play it, I find it a little bit boring, but still, it's kind of fun. Uh, And then it has this very light Zelda-ish or, you know, Harvest Moon-style top-down Japanese-style 2D exploring, talking to people, solving mini-problems, fetch quests, and then some... you know, 2D sports stuff in there as well. So I thought I would love Sports Story as well, and it does have a lot of that really, really charming uh, world and light sports stuff, but it feels rushed, uh, and it feels like they've released it too early. Now, partly because of quality of life issues, I'm having to watch loads or listen to lots and lots of written dialogue and it just comes out so slowly and there's no way of skipping the dialogue. By skipping I don't mean not reading it but pressing typically in these things you press A or something and it fast forwards the dialogue to the next line. There's none of that and so it takes if you hold down all of the buttons then it kind of does that but in a really cumbersome way and you probably end up making decisions you don't want to do. I want to read the dialogue but I don't want it to take as long as it does to deliver it. That is a really, really big error in a game that is as dialogue dependent as this. But there's also bugs. Um, And I know there are bugs because I got stuck in what I thought was one. Um, uh, It turned out to not be a bug, just poor design. But like... Uh, on on googling it yeah there are lots and lots of people who've who've found bugs in the game there have been a couple of patches already and um, I fell victim to what I thought was one instead it said was poor design which is endemic like it's throughout the game things are not explained so it will say go and get this thing but it won't hint enough where that thing is and you find yourself walking around in loops forever trying to find the right person to talk to eventually giving up and then coming back to when it's the person you stood next to it doesn't handhold enough and yet some hand, somehow handholds all the time the only reason I was playing it is because it's got cricket in it which is phenomenal oh. and I've just started playing the cricket and I'm really excited about that so 7 out of 10 good stuff Steve well, bang up against it what, that clock on the top there what is that is that the actual time the time what clock on of, the top the, of, of what of the recording from the start of the opening Credits. Yeah, in the bottom left, uh, we're on 59 minutes and 12 seconds. So we've got to end the show. It's top right for me. Play the theme. <laughs> All right. See you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.